This is Comic Shanigans, episode 642, a conversation with Mike Perkins and Butch Quice. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 642. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. And today we're, uh, I had the good fortune of sitting down with Mike Perkins and Butch Gweiss to talk their career in comics. Uh, Mike had previously been on the show in the past, so I do recommend uh, people check the back catalog for that episode. It actually, it's one of those things when I do these interviews is that it felt like it hadn't been that long. I was like, oh, it's probably like last year or something. And then when I actually looked at it, it was uh, October 2015. So it's been uh, just over three years uh, since Mike was first on the show on episode 314 if you want to go in the back catalog and download that um which for the most part this episode was more about butch um mike was still a very valuable part of the interview as well because we talked about the time at crossgen and working on uh, the ruse comic uh they collaborated mike was inking on butch's work um but if you want to kind of have more of a sense of how mike got into comics and some of his more recent stuff we did talk about that in the 2015 discussion um but today was more about their collaboration together and also what kind of led butch to get to that point at crossgen uh we again we'd already kind of touched on that with mike in terms of um how crossgen came calling and how he ended up over there. Um, but there's a lot more insights in this episode as to how they work together, uh, their friendship. Um, what, how, again, on the pre- previous episode, there was some discussion about a studio that they uh, shared, but it was kind of very... Uh, we didn't really go that deep into it at the time, but here we get a lot more into the, the nooks and crannies of uh, their relationship and uh, their working together. So this was a lot of fun to have. I was really glad uh, to get Butch and Mike on together. Um, at times, there's a little bit of crosstalk, but that's kind of inevitable when you have, you know, two different people on Skype, um, so I do apologize in advance, but I think you're going to enjoy it anyway. I think uh, the minor, small minor technical difficulties are uh, going to pale in comparison to the absolute joy that this conversation was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I've laughed so hard. Uh, there's some really great stories. We uh, finally, if, for those who've ever wondered about uh, the Jackson Guice versus Butch Guice, uh, that gets uh, discussed as well. So um, yeah, this is a great episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. If you ever want to email the show, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail com like the show on facebook rate and review us on itunes subscribe to us on itunes and also listen to us on stitcher um i also want to give a shout out to matt miller um he's a longtime friend of the show and he for years ago was like oh is it would it ever be possible to get butch on the show i'm like well we'll try and i think we've been trying um I'm like for four years i was like okay well i'll send messages here and there and see if it's possible and last year actually there was a uh, a Facebook group that was dedicated to Ruse, and uh, and there was another one about CrossGen in general. So I was able to kind of reach out and connect with uh, with both uh, Mike and Bush, and I was like, well, this would be great if we could have you both on at the same time, talk about your collaboration. I think they thought that would be a, a cool, fun idea, and I think they really enjoyed the conversation as well, and that's kind of evident from how it goes and, how again, how much laughter there was <laughs> throughout the interview. Um, so, yeah, I, so I want to thank Matt Miller for uh, suggesting this years ago, and uh, I'm glad that we finally were able 
able to uh, talk with Butch and um, and Mike and yeah, this was a tremendous amount of fun. But enough of me yammering on, and I apologize for how much I've done so far. Uh, let's get right into the conversation. Uh, so uh, settle in. It's going to be more than an hour of uh, me chatting with uh, Mike and Butch. And um, by the time by the time of the episode is over, you're going to be uh, waiting with bated breath for a chance for them to come back together at some point because it's that much fun. Anyways. Here's the episode with Butch and Mike. All right, Butch, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast, and Mike, welcome back to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, this is this is very exciting for me because um, I, I've always, as I've said many times before in the past on the show, Ruse was a really big comic for me that I loved, and obviously you guys were instrumental in its creation, and I'm slowly marking off the dots of uh, all the creators of Ruse that I've talked to, so now that I have you guys under my belt, and I have Mark, and I have Laura coming up soon, I'm uh, getting close to slowly actually talking to everyone involved in that amazing book. Excellent. Excellent. You'll have to... You'll have to uh Rangel's Scotting as well at some point. That's that's the plan at some point. If I can convince him to do this as well, maybe you guys can put in a good word for me. Uh-huh. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we should see how this goes first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, before before we start, I do want to uh, make one mention uh, that Butch, you have been. Um, for one particular listener, you have been like the the one list the one guest he most wanted to have on the show, and he whenever that I was, was me, that was me. I, I put that request. <laughs> well, <laughs> there there well besides besides Mike, there was one other, and uh, I uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention him because he's he. I actually asked him. I said if you could ask one question of Butch, what would you want to ask him? And he said, hold you know, on, hold on, this wasn't this wasn't Jackson guys, was it? No, no. <laughs> 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 well, that, that's a good question. So what, what, what is up with Jackson and Butch, guys? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's really simple, actually. Uh, I was named after my dad when I was born. So I'm te- legally I'm Jackson Geist, Jr. And, uh, but growing up in the South, they didn't want to call me Junior or Little Jack. Hmm. So before I was out of, even before I was out of the hospital, they nicknamed me Butch. And uh, friends and family, that's what I've always gone by. And when I got into comics, um, first credits, I looked around and there were a number of jacks in the industry and there was no one named Butch in the industry, so I used Butch. And then I made the mistake of uh, telling Jim Shearer one day uh, that Butch wasn't actually my legal name. <laughs> and uh, the next thing I know, the credits are reading Jackson Butch guys, and uh, was causing some confusion. And, and Kelly Jones, my anchor at the time on Micronauts, was going around to conventions and telling people that Jackson had had a or Butch had had a nervous breakdown, and Jackson, his brother, was now stepping in. <laughs> and you couldn't tell the difference between their arcs. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> So I, I've had people for years come up to me and ask me how my brother's doing. You know, <laughs> is he any better? <laughs> well, that's outstanding. That's that's yeah. really funny. <laughs> we we actually think it's there was this ruse there was this ruse story uh, about this this guy who was obsessed with Ophelia, the uh, the, the dwarf woman with the uh, beard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> and we we reckon that was Butch and Jackson. That was, <laughs> Because uh, the guy had like a, a growth, like a brother. He, he had a he, he had a head on two heads, didn't he? Yeah. One on the back of his yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was Butch and Jackson. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And then after after uh, Crush Jam, when we shared the studio, we created a, a weird sister for you as well, I think. That was uh, uh, Minerva. Minerva guys. Minerva guys, yes. <laughs> I forgot all about Minerva. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, that's that's really funny. That's thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I think what what Butch actually failed to mention, which he mentioned to me once, wasn't it? Wasn't it your granddad um, who said my grandmother? Huh? Sorry. Uh, go ahead, and then I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it was your, your granddad who said um, he looks like my dog Butch. Yeah. My grandmother. That was my grandmother. Yeah. She had a bulldog. Yeah. She had yeah. a bulldog named Butch. That's how the nickname came about. <laughs> it wasn't just right. It's, it's an Indiana Jones story. It's like, yeah. <laughs> he is junior, but he's named after the dog. That's brilliant. Yes, yes, yes. Instead of Jack Jackson Jr., I'm, I'm Butch Jr. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, before before we get lost, <laughs> I just do my um. We will get lost. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so uh, this devoted listener, whose name is Matt, he uh, so I asked him if he had a question for you know for him, what would you ask? And he said he didn't even have a question. He just wanted to say that uh, comics for him started uh, when he stumbled upon several issues of Strange Tales with uh, Doctor Strange and Cloak and Dagger at a used bookstore, and that it was you know your art on that that really kind of made him a comic book fan. He's very excited to listen to this interview. <laughs> well, like I say, it, uh, hey, I, I, I appreciate all the fans who, you know, kept me in the industry because I certainly haven't done it with, through my own abilities. <laughs> <laughs> far too modest. No, 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 no. I, I've been in this industry far too long to be that modest. <laughs> So, well, speaking of, so, like, if we go way back, uh, when did comics first become part of your life uh, as a fan or as, like, as a kid? Um, well, for me, I was, uh, well, growing up, I wanted to be a comic strip artist okay. uh, as an early kid, early, you know, early childhood. That was the first art that I was, like, excited about, uh, uh, the adventure strips and uh, things like... Uh, on stage and the girls in apartment 3D and um, anything that had their sort of a realistic art style uh, in the comics, the Phantom, Prince Valiant. And uh, when I was about 10, um, a neighbor kid down the street, for, I can't even remember the reason why, he brought up a box of comic books. I'd never really looked at any comic books prior to that. And he ended up leaving the box on the front porch um, had to go home and that evening my mom told me to bring it in the house so I, I took it to my room and I laid there that evening looking through the comic books and by the end of the evening I totally jumped from comic strips to comic books because you know these guys had capes and you know threw cars around as opposed to you know talked and talked and talked <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the genesis of it. so about about 10 years old okay and uh early 70s so i i was 
you know, haunting the uh, the various drugstores at the spinner racks and things all through the Marvel Bronze Age. And so, um, and that was, that was it. That was really where the, my impression of, of what I wanted to be doing was, was, was built, you know, through the efforts of a lot of the guys that were working from, you know, 70, 71 to about 76, 78 during that time period. Mm-hmm. What was what was the kind of the, the book that stood out for you as a young fan that you really gravitated towards, or was there a particular artist that you were really drawn towards? Uh, I, I I liked a number of different ones. I was crazy about uh, what uh, Rich Buckler and Billy Graham did on um, uh, the Panthers' Rage stories and Jungle Action. Um, I also liked uh, Kill Raven and Amazing Adventures. I, I was you know, um, John um, you know, on whatever he was drawing, you know, the Salvesema on, uh, Captain America during that time period, a lot of, just a lot of that stuff. And probably the guy that now in hindsight, uh, influenced my work far more than I was ever aware of at the time. It's only, you know, now I look at it, I go, Actually, I even think, how would he do this if I get stuck drawing a thing? Because he was just uh, a brilliant storyteller. Um, Sorry, who? You you faded out for a second. Sorry, who'd you say? Okay, I said Ross Andrew on Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, okay, Um, yeah. Because he was, he was a, he was a brilliant storyteller. Um, He, I think, he gets overlooked behind Ramita and Ditko on the book. But, uh, you know, like I say, he, he just had a way of moving the camera around, uh, a, a great understanding of spatial relationship and how to involve the the environment as part of the story. Uh, I know he was a big influence on, uh, on uh, Garcia Lopez's work. And, you know, and... He's one of the best in the industry. He he obviously took those lessons and ran with them, as opposed to me, who, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I go, well, Ross would have handled it better. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when do you start developing your own artistic style, and when do you kind of start thinking that, you know, this is something I can do, and how do you start breaking in? And then we'll, again, I don't want to spend too much time on it, because we have Mike falling asleep uh, at the same time. No, so. I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm enjoying this, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm just as big a fan of Butchie's work as anyone, so it's interesting to me as well. Okay. <laughs> you, you checked in the mail, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom told me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, when did so you what start... The question basically is like, you know, when, when, well, I guess there's many questions, but really the question is, when did you start kind of discovering that you had an artistic talent and when did you decide that you want to try and break into comics and actually, and do that yourself? Well, uh, from about the time that I discovered the comics, I, I immediately, you know, I I was drawing my own comics from about 10 or 11 on, 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 on typing paper. I had an entire line of the things, like many <laughs> young comic artists. Um, 
And um, I can't say that, I, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I just devoted myself to it. I, I enjoy doing it. Um, and I, I meet a lot of guys back when I was doing conventions and they, they, they'll bring me a portfolio or something to review and, and they say, yeah, I drew a lot when I, you know, was 12 or 14. I wanted to be a comic artist. And then I got to high school and I got into girls and I got into cars and I got into this and I got into sports, whatever. And, you know, and I kind of stopped drawing. I just kept drawing. Um, and, uh, you know, which didn't help me with the girls and the other stuff. <laughs> but uh, I... Um, when I was a junior in high school, I had a three-day-a-week um, comic strip in a local paper. Uh, I worked part-time in their advertising department doing paste up and things, and I did editorial cartoons and spot illustrations for them, and I, I had the three-day-a-week. It was a little humorous strip that was, you know, all done with, you know, Jokes ripped off from the Peanuts primarily. But, uh, and then, uh, I had a couple other oddball comic strips and things. Um, I went to some early conventions. Um, uh, I had the good fortune of meeting some, some pros who were encouraging early on. Uh, Mike Vosberg. I think I was 15 or 16 at the time. I showed him my artwork and he was real encouraging and then I went to an Atlanta convention with Marshall Rogers and Howard Chaikin oh wow and uh, I was I was too shy to actually show my artwork my friend that I went to the convention with actually walked up and, and handed them my portfolio and and uh, but they they hustled me over to to encourage me and uh and then later on that day, there was a panel that, uh, this was right around the time of the DC explosion. Okay. Uh, when DC was, was adding a bunch of titles and things. I can't remember what year that was, 73, 74, something like that. And, um, Jeanette Kahn and Neil Adams and Dick Giordano were there. And they did a panel about the, you know, what was going on and, um, after the panel, I was going to show my artwork to, to Neil or Dick, and they were both swamped with people mm. wanting autographs or to show artwork to. And Jeanette was just sitting there, so I took my artwork over there to Jeanette, figuring, hey, she's the boss, you know. <laughs> 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 and and she was very complimentary, and the next thing I know, she's grabbed the, the artwork up, and she's pushing through the crowd saying, Neil, Neil, you got to look at this, you got to look at this. And she's like, to my heart, she like plops it right on top of some other guy's artwork that Neil's looking at at the time. <laughs> and spoken to for ten years as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Neil's looking through it, and he's, he's, he he looks up and he goes, "Did you draw this?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And uh, you know, and Jeanette like has to reach through the crowd and grab me and kind of pull me forward back to the crowd because I'm at that point I'm like trying to figure out where the nearest exit is. <laughs> and uh, um, and he's looking. He's, you know, you're really close. You know, you, six months. You need six months worth of seasoning. You know, and do this and back, back and forth. And he's like, when can you come to New York? And uh, I said, well, uh, 
I'm only 16. <laughs> and Neil just gave me this look of utter disgust. Like, why am I wasting my time talking to you? <laughs> and he hands me bar and we're back. And he's like, well, keep at it and come to see us when you're 18. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. But, uh, you know, I, I left on a cloud. I mean, hey, you know. <laughs> I, guess, um, I guess by then it wasn't the, uh, you know, the 60s where Jim Shooter could just, you know, write comics as a teenager, right? Uh, well, the, 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 well it, what it was was still an industry that you needed to, to yeah, be yeah. within commuting distance. Mm. Uh, this, cause this was still before FedEx and things. And, uh, so you still needed to be able to get into the office on a regular basis and, and stuff. And, um, but, uh, ironically enough, I mean, if just a few years later, I think I was 19 or 20, probably around 20. Um, I was doing some, uh, illustrations for, uh, um, a uh, Batman fanzine okay. that was being produced, and um, it turned out that the guy was, uh, without my knowledge, was sending them on to DC. And Dick Giordano had seen them, and he remembered me from the Atlanta convention. And uh, he was trying to track me down when uh, it turned up that I popped up at Marvel with the Micronauts, mm. which was a whole other set of bizarre circumstances because. I had ghosted 10 pages of a raw manual the year before for Pat Broderick, ghost-penciled. Um, I didn't get any credit. I think it's the first raw manual. And um, Bill Mantlow had written it. And they, uh, you know, a year goes by, and by this point in time, I'm, I've got a job. I'm designing, helping to, working in an art department that did uh, patches and emblems. <laughs> so, you know, police emblems, fire emblems, space shuttle stuff, you know, this kind of things. And, uh, um, yes, an opening came up on Micronauts, and for some reason Bill remembered me, and he suggested me to Al Milgram, the editor. And I don't know how they tracked me down. I guess they contacted Pat Broderick or something, but I came home from work one day. I was still living at home at the time, and my mom says, Oh, by the way, some guy named Al Milgram called from Marvel. He wants to talk to you about drawing something. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and I called him back, and I was told that there was an opening on Micronauts, and they were going to do three tryout issues, and whoever did the best job would have the regular assignment. So uh, I was going to get one of the tryout issues, and I went out to celebrate that evening and fell and broke my drawing arm. Oh my God! <laughs> well, just the elbow, basically. So, um, <laughs> so the uh, the arms all stiff and pretty much locked in one position, and that's how I drew that Micronauts forty eight was. Uh, <laughs> and then with forty nine, because I immediately went into forty nine and. Uh, I was about halfway through it, and I still hadn't heard anything about whether I was going to get the job or not. And um, I finally worked, worked up the courage talking to, to, to Al Milgram, and I said, uh, you know, have you guys made a decision yet? He says, well, I'll tell you. He says, uh, I like what you're doing, but you're too slow. You need to speed up. 
<laughs> I said, well, Al, I'm working 40 hours a week designing patches and emblems before I'm drawing the comics. <laughs> I'm doing this in the evening. That's why it's slow. <laughs> and he says, well, I can't tell you what to do, but that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in and quit, and then and, and it's, you know, it's been a steady occupation ever since. Wow, that's amazing. It's been great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good job they didn't think that the the first issue was better than the other ones with the broken arm, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go out and fall again. <laughs> <laughs> like, did, did anyone know that that's the condition that you were, you know, illustrating that first issue under? Like, they, had you told anyone in editorial? Oh, just... no, no, no. <laughs> no, because I was afraid they'd take it away. <laughs> I mean that's a testament to your skill that even with a you know broken elbow you're, you you can't be stopped. <laughs> well, the thing is, I actually didn't realize it was broken until the following day. I, I knew it really was bothering me after the fall, and then I laid there all night, and it was throbbing, and it wanted to. The muscles wanted to pull up, contract, and so it was wanting to like lock up you know, and, and, and pull itself up. And I kept rolling over on top of it, trying to straighten my arm out <laughs> during the night. <laughs> and the next morning it was just killing me. And I was like, I got to go to the doctor. <laughs> so, actually, actually, so yeah, I'm an idiot, you know, <laughs> I broke my drawing arm just before my first professional work as well. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so it's good luck charm for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, That's why Mike and I get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> There's any aspiring artists out there, I would uh, recommend breaking your arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> look what it leads to. <laughs> so, a question for you, Butch, then. So, when you, when you get the regular gig on, on Microdots, at, at what point... And maybe maybe it never happened, or maybe it did happen. It's later, but at what point, as you know, a working comic book artist, did you feel like, quote unquote, you made it? Like you kind of you achieved not just the goal to kind of work in comics on a regular basis, but you kind of had your kind of dream book, or have you had the dream book yet, or are you still searching for a dream uh, book, or have you have you got there? Uh, yeah, no, I got. I, I've never gotten to that point where I've made it. Um, I I still live in fear of turning down anything that's offered to me, which is why I'm perpetually overbooked and always running behind <laughs> because you just don't turn down work. You know, it's, 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 it's better to have far too much work than not enough. So, um, and as far as green books, some of the things that I projects over the years that I thought were going to be the thing, just the best, you know, just by the description or the people I'm working with, have turned out to be complete and utter nightmares. And and other books, which and and assignments that I've taken, where it was like I took it because I wasn't going to turn anything down, have turned out to be some of the most enjoyable things that I've, I've done over the years. So you just never know with that. Uh, you know, sometimes it's. Uh, a fellow creator that you just doesn't you don't click with or sometimes it's just you don't feel the book you know you you think you want that book till you're actually drawing it and then you realize no you want that person who you liked drawing it drawing it still mm -hmm. you know um 
that's why it's like I've done very little Spider-Man because as soon as I got, start drawing Spider-Man, I go, no, I want Ross Andrew to draw this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I hate everything about my Spider-Man. <laughs> it's not Ross's Spider-Man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> you, yes. <laughs> So I want to I want to flip forward a, a fair bit because obviously you've been in the industry a very long time. But um, I've done I've done this part of the conversation with Mike before. But at what point did CrossGen kind of come calling, and what was that conversation like? And how was it a short one? Was it a long one about you know relocating to Florida? Because that was a big deal. Well, for me, I had uh, I was happily working away, having the time of my life on Birds of Prey with Chuck Dixon. Um, and that was that was one of those projects that, you know, was just fun. You know, just all out fun. Uh, uh, penciling and inking the thing. Uh, Chuck's scripts were great. He was doing things like the Hunt for Oracle storyline and all kinds of stuff. He had the Viking Prince. You know, different characters. Um, and I had previously. I think it was probably the year before. I had done an all-access miniseries mm. uh, that Ron Mars had written. And I guess Ron had ended up down there at CrossGen, and they were they were looking to bring in more talent. And I got a phone call one day from Ron, and he gave me the basic pitch. You know, it's a new company. We're trying to do things different, blah, 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 blah. Part of the deal is you'd have to live in Florida. Uh, we're really interested in you. Uh, would you be interested in flying down and, and, and seeing the place and hearing the pitch and, you know, and that sort of thing. And I probably would have turned it down cold, except that at the time, uh, my wife and daughter and I were living in North Carolina and my wife's parents lived in Florida and we did not see them all that often. Mm. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, if, if it works out, then we'd be a lot closer. So I, I agreed to go down, and they, they they flew me down for essentially two days, I think it was, a day and a night, and flew out the next day. Um, Ron picked me up at the airport. Um, we got to cross in right around lunchtime, so everything was, you know, empty, walk around there's very few people back there there weren't nearly as many people to start to begin with but there are very few people actually present when i walked through it <laughs> um i think uh you know paul pelletier was back there uh steve epstein was my, probably hunched over his drawing board and there were maybe three or four other people so mostly i just walked around looking at a lot of empty desks and then uh about an hour or two later uh got summoned to Mark Alessi's office and he gave me the, the high pressure pitch. Once you come in, da da da, got this book. And at the time they were actually talking to me about doing negation, ironically enough. Oh, the science fiction book we want you to do. <clears throat> okay. And uh you'd be great on it. Terrific. You know. And you know, they gave the pitch and I called the my wife that evening, we talked it over, and I decided, to, you know, eh, you know, we'll try this. You know, the idea of of a regular paycheck having, uh, you know, and having health insurance and different things, and being in Florida, we'll, 
all held great appeal. So we decided to go for it. So um, I flew back. I contacted D.C., explained to them that it had been a tough decision to make, but this was the reason why. Got a very nice note from D.C. back about thanking me for letting them know because, you know, very few people ever let them, you know, when people leave the company, you never know why they left. Were they unhappy or what? And and then we went, you know, we moved down there shortly thereafter and show up across the end and say, okay, so we've changed our mind. We've got this Sherlock Holmes thing we're going to (laughs) do. <laughs> Once you do the Sherlock Holmes book, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Actually, I think they told me that they had to tell me that before we moved down because I remember I drew the first cover while I was still in North Carolina at the time. Okay, you know, and uh, and we got this inker, this this British guy that's coming over. He's going to ink you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we'll put me, you in touch. I think for me, when when I was there, they um, they originally brought me into to ink. Uh, Paul Pelletier and uh-huh. I was working I was working I was inking Perez before and then uh, they wanted me to ink Paul um, which which is great Paul's a, a great artist and then um, so I was all set up for that and then and then Ron told me that you were coming down and uh, uh-huh. and I said oh man if if Butch says yes then I want to I want to ink Butch because I think our styles are more compatible you know more we follow the same kind of influences, you know. So uh, I think that's uh, that's why uh, we ended up together. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember the first time you contacted me, one of the first things you asked me, you probably don't even remember this. Oh, no, I remember. <laughs> How big are the doors <laughs> in America? <laughs> and I, I'm like, what? <laughs> we have this sofa. <laughs> I said, well, let me ask you a question. How big are the sofas in Britain? <laughs> yeah. and the, the thing is, like, I think six months before, we just moved to a new flat. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we bought we bought a new sofa. We had it made. So it was brand new. And, uh, and we had so much trouble getting into the flat. It was crazy. It was going to fit in the flat. It should have been made in the flat. Um, so, so I knew Butch was going to be moving into the same... Um, same apartment complex, complex there. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked him how wide the doors were. <laughs> not, not, not anything about penciling. Nothing like that. Forget no, that. No. <laughs> few conversations about that. <laughs> I think I said intent, not line. And you went, okay. <laughs> That's pretty fast. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the whole summary of uh, our, our working technique. It was, uh, would basically say, ink my intent, not what's on the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I was always covered. I thought, Mike, that's not my intent. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> so to go back for a second, so so Butch, when when you when they do tell you that the the books have switched and now you're doing a you know a Sherlock Holmesian type style book, and um, was it very early on where they basically said it was going to be kind of a Victorian style? And how did you feel about having to you know capture? 
that style in terms of um, you know the dress and what they're wearing because I mean when you look through those issues you guys really nailed like kind of that period uh, in terms of um, yeah what, what everyone's wearing in clothing and it looks really lived in and it looks real like how did you what were your influences and what were you using to draw well um, combination of internet image searches and a number of books on Edwardian and Victorian England um, I didn't really mind I enjoy period comics I, I like the research um, you know, give me something that involves a, a 1930s tramp steamer or, you know, or something that's, you know, 1600s Scotland or something like that. And, you know, if anything, it actually slows me down because I spend so much time just constantly looking for yet more stuff, more details. And you're always surprised by what you don't have already that comes up because somebody will... You know, invariably somewhere in the script it will involve something like, you know, I don't know, um, a particular, you know, a hearse. Mm. All right, let's say a hearse. And you're like, what does a hearse in, you know, 1708 look like? You know, (laughs) kind of thing. And you have to stop and go find it. Um, So, but I enjoy that stuff. Um, And, you know, and it just kind of built upon itself. Honestly, it's, for my part, it was a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of, you know, wood paneling and stone and, 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 and stuff. And uh, as far as the, the, you know, the basics and the costuming, you know, there's enough movies and things that if nothing else, you can, you know, steal from that as far as basic looks to, to understand you know, okay, this is the basic design of the dresses. This is the, you know, you know, this is the basic look of a man's suit during that time period. Hmm. Um, and, you know, and like I say, so I was real excited actually about the change. I mean, the nice thing about science fiction is you get to make it all up. True. Uh, and that, that's, that's a lot of fun too. But, uh, but I, I tend to enjoy the historical slant of things if I can, you know, get to draw that stuff. So, um, so it was tailor-made for me, other than the fact that, you know, right out of the starting gate, uh, Mark Wade and I were in agreement that this wasn't going to be a closed, a locked room Sherlock Holmes mystery. I mean, that was what Mark Alessi always saw it as, but that was not what we were interested in doing. So we were just, it just happened to be set in a Victorian-style world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we tried to avoid the uh, sigil stuff as much as possible as well. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was that was like my first conversation with Mark. Actually, sat down in his office, and he goes, "Okay, we got to make a decision now." I went, "Okay." He goes, "There's that whole sigil crap." <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Now we can either like do it as early on as possible, one time." And then ignore it until they force us to do it again. <laughs> or we can put it off and like do the reveal like around issue 12. And I said, ah, it's like medicine. Let's just take this wall and get it done with. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first issue within a couple of pages, Emma freezes time. And then we avoided it as much as possible. <laughs> it's like beyond that, it was like, oh no, we're doing a Victorian comic. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a what? 
Now, Mike, you, uh, three years, I guess it was like three and a half years ago, we actually had you on the show before, and at the time you were mentioning about how you adapted your inking style a little bit when you were starting to work over Butch. Can you expand, now that Butch is here as well, to kind of say how how you started inking him and how, because I think you mentioned like he switched more to a brush at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, when I first got there, I was still using uh, microns, pens, different things, and, and most of that came from um, from Rick Magyar. Because um, I was sitting right next to him, and he was uh, leading me into using a brush anyway, which is which is more suitable for, for Butch's work. Um, and so that that's how I changed that style. Was basically because um, it's intimidating um, to use a brush if you haven't used one. Hmm. Uh, and so and so Rick just sat me down and he said, "Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to." ink this dress on this double-page spread and do do the rest as you normally do it. And then on the next page, I want you to do this dress and this uh, this person standing here with the ink and, you know, just, just add, it, add it up like that. Each page do something a bit more. Hmm. Um, and so by the end of probably the third issue, I was entirely using brush at that point. Um, and, it, and it just, just flowed out so much better I mean it was just like it, it was it opened up it opened up your mind to just like let the it, it sounds it sounds a bit arsy but it's it's like you, you you open it up for the illustration to come out of the page rather than enforcing your will upon the, the page itself mm. um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think that's that really that really helped especially with Ruse I mean it was such it's an organic book. You know, if you're doing a science fiction book, you know, using microns and things like that works because you've got to do those straight lines, all those ellipses and everything. On um, mm-hmm. Ruse, we, 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 were, we were fudging it most of the time. So it, was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out that way. Hey, Laura, save these pages. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fix all that stuff Mike and I did. Make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, this does get into a question I want to ask, though, is that obviously this is very different than, I mean, the whole cross-gen experiment was so different because everyone's kind of working together in a kind of a, uh, communal space. But, like, how closely were you guys actually positioned to each other in terms of your actual working spaces? I'd say there, were, there was, what, about eight feet between us? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. For at least until the whole uh, assistant yeah, art director thing out. took over, and I got and they they shut me off in that other office. Right. Yeah. Right. For, the, for for like the first year, it was like eight feet away. Uh, <laughs> yep. Mike was, you know, behind me, and you know. I'm no telling what he was doing back there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of rude gestures, I'm sure. <laughs> well, they, I, yeah, but, I remember the, one of the first times I was. Uh, this is where the Englishness comes in. Um, one of the first times I was I was there at the office, and Butch was sitting eight feet away, and um, the uh, you know it kind of it got quiet in those offices sometimes, but there's always somebody ribbing someone somewhere, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, uh, you know, I, I sort of shouted over to Butch, hey, Butch, uh, can I borrow your rubber? And uh, <laughs> the place exploded, and I'm like, what? 
good chance to remind me of using a razor in America. So uh, it was, yes. Yeah. So, but as, well, Butcher yeah. turned around and said, do you, what, do you want a used one or a new one? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, actually, that was a good quad because we had uh, yeah, it was. We had you and Laura and Rick and Steve and yeah. Frank there, you know. So that was that was a good unit. That was <laughs> yeah. We we were the kind of um, I guess I guess with you and Rick and uh, me and Steve, we were we were definitely the the realistic artist kind of thing, you know. Who yeah. looked yeah. looked at people like. Al Williamson, you know all the all these these older guys to bring our artwork together. Um, yeah, we we had a lot of similar influences and and right. and, and things, so that was you know, it was easy for us to all you know discuss art and look at stuff right. and you know. Mm-hmm. When when you guys were working on Ruse in that first year with Mark. Um, how detailed were the scripts that you guys were getting and how much collaboration or open collaboration was there between you guys and Mark or just between the two of you? Like, how how did this unit kind of operate, at least in that first year? Well, well Mark was writing Marvel style, so it was, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't broken down page by page, okay? I mean, sometimes it would be like page three to five, this and this and this happens. And sometimes it would be, you know, bigger chunks and stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't full script or anything. And, um, I, you know, the thing was, another thing about Ruse that, that was different was that we were, for the longest time there, we were the only book that was using the double-page spread all the time. Right, right. Which was, which was not something I set out to do. Um... I, I was working on the first issue, and I saw an opportunity early on, okay, like three pages in, three or four pages in, and I was like, because well, Crossian had this wonderful one-piece, double-page spread artboard, okay? Most of the time, you have to cut it and tape them and, and everything else, but this is all single sheets. And I'm like, I'm going to use some of that. So I, 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 I did a double-page spread, and I was like, Man, that was fun. That was like drawing a Sunday page. So I did another double page spread, and I just kept doing them. <laughs> and um, you know, and so Mark would give us these scenes, and I'm sure he was imagining, you know, okay, here's here's four panels for this, and then you know, a few panels for that, and you know, we just Mike and I would. We just couldn't stop. We just, you know, we had to play with everything. Uh, you know, so next to that, that scene that would have been four panels in Mark's mind was now 17 panels and involved, you know, three different things happening in the background. And, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good and we encouraged each other more and more. That was the problem. <laughs> right, right. This is true. We're as bad as each other. That's the problem. <laughs> I, think that, I think the perfect thing that illustrates that is is uh, when they they jump off the train, which is one of my favorite scenes uh, in the run of Ruse. Um, mm-hmm. which, which Mark had basically said, "Okay, they, they jump, jump off the train. They jump off the train." <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Butch came up with this whole, you know, they they get off and they're rolling down the hill and Emma's on her makeup case and all this kind of stuff. 
and then they, they fall into the river, and then there's a, there's a waterfall. And then she's up. floating on that. And... Right, right. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Because the thing is, it was like, Butch was drawing it, and he was just giggling all the time when he was drawing it. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, so I think that's, that's how it worked. I mean, it was just, it just seemed to, it just seemed to flow. And, you know, and the odd thing is, if I'd been drawing it a single pages, I would have never drawn that many panels. Right. We actually gave more panels because we were using those silly double page spreads. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, here's a double page spread. It has 24 panels in it. <laughs> now, when you're getting the script Marvel style, so obviously, like there's a, as you said, there's a lot of room to interpret and yeah. do it as you like. I mean, a lot of the you know, the funny bits are obviously, they're all in the art. Like, there's so many ways you guys play with facial expressions and, and again, the kind of the back and forth of Simon and Emma, even when there's no dialogue at all. Uh, there's just so much there right on the page. Were you drawing for any specific influences in terms of how these two would interact, just in terms of the visuals? Oh, I know Butch was. That's what Simon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, 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 I think the thing with, with I think, uh, maybe speaking out to turn here, but Butch was yeah. definitely into uh, the Thin Man movies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that was a major influence. Yeah, that, that was really the sort of the heart and soul, the thing that, like, William Powell and Myrna Loy would do in the Thin Man movies, okay? Mm-hmm. We would try to, we were only doing that kind of thing on Ruse as much as possible, just, you know, yeah. having expressions pulled back and forth, no matter what was going on in the foreground, no matter what really was, supposed to be happening you know they were always like giving each other looks and yeah yeah it was that kind of steed and mrs peel kind of thing yeah exactly yeah i mean that's another great example so it was just like you know he was just playing with the characters and i mean we had regular contact with mark there for for a good eight or nine issues of that first year okay because he was in the office up until about issue Nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. Nine or ten, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and we would we would have regular lunches, and we were, you know, uh, I, I, he'd call me in there, and we, we'd talk over some things, and, you know, and, uh, but, I mean, the best part about it was when the book was done, art-wise, then uh, part of the regular cross-champ procedure was, before it went out, they would print up this copy with the dialogue and everything else. And the team would come together and sit in the room and you would see it for the first time, everything, you know, as it was going to be in the book, because, you know, you're just doing your part. And Mike and I are certainly enjoying our little bits over there, but, you know, and we've seen Laura's color along the way, but now we're seeing it with the dialogue. And, and, this, you know the stuff that Mark was writing was just brilliant. It was just cracking me up. I mean, there were there was stuff that I'm sure he did not plan to be writing some of that. St- you know, because he didn't plan on having you know 400 extra panels every issue. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know we we'd go in and we would as a team we were just sitting there howling, just laughing, right. and you always knew because we'd all be reading along and we'd all start getting the same thing around the same time and one person would chuckle and then another person would start giggling and then another person just laughing you know off to the side and and we're all like pointing to the same page you know (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing 
it's 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 interesting to hear again about because obviously as a fan like I wouldn't know of any of this stuff but how collaborative a process it really was because obviously it was uh, ended up being a failed experiment for a lot of reasons but it's just it's, it's interesting to hear so many of the good things that kind of came out of it this experience this communal experience of everyone kind of working together that you would just typically in this not have oh totally totally yeah, yeah. for the for the first two years that I was there it was definitely like like that it was. Uh, yeah. It's definitely, yeah. you know, you, you really, <clears throat> you get that camaraderie there within the, the studio itself. Um, I mean, the, the way the, the quads were, the way you had six, six people in a quad area, and the, the walls went up about, what, seven foot, six foot, something like that? Yeah, um, six or seven feet, yeah. Yeah, um, but, but you, could, you could recognize people from their laughter, basically. <laughs> Um, across the room yeah across the room and you you know and and it was it was great feeling for those first two years for sure yeah and I would say uh, Ruse was a little it was special unto itself as well okay in that everyone we were a good team we enjoyed working on the book there were there were teams and I, I, I I dealt with this a little bit as I got more involved in assistant art director duties. There were teams that did not gel well. Right. Okay. You know, the penciler didn't like his inker or the penciler and the inker didn't like the colorist or, you know, they didn't like the writer or whatever. And it was always this petty little stuff. But it was like, I mean, it really made me appreciate what we had on Ruse because, you know, we we were having a great time doing our book, you know, and, and the fact that, uh, you know, <laughs> we were deliberately trying to drive Mark Alessi crazy. Uh, <laughs> helped quite a bit because it was always, let's poke the bear this month. What can we do? How about a bearded midget lady? <laughs> yeah, let's put her on the cover. <laughs> let's put her on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I think that checks all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Butch, I, when, I, when I had Mike on three years ago, I asked him if he had any good stories about you, and he was very polite and said that he wasn't really going to tell any stories. And then I'm going to ask you the same question about Mike. Are there any good Mike stories we should hear? Uh, um, well, Mike, well, I don't know. I would say Mike is a, what my uh, mother-in-law would refer to as a pot stirrer. Mike? <laughs> likes to throw just enough into the water and watch the thing build and get things going. And he stands there and he just laughs at everything that's going on around him. <laughs> and he's, he's very good at it because he's, he, he, he stands there and he's got the, the British accent and he's so polite and everything else. And it's only afterwards you realize, oh, that started because Mike said, <laughs> or Mike asked, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mike casually mentioned blah blah blah, <laughs> and I've watched him do that the entire time I've known him, <laughs> and, cool. and he does it to me all the time still. <laughs> it's called motivating other people. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that's his worst fault. Other than that, he's great. <laughs> 
a question I want to ask to you guys just in the spirit of, you know, collaboration and working together. So when you're working with Laura, um, what was it like kind of seeing what she was doing with, with the colors on your book? Because her colors are obviously very special. I mean, I'm pretty sure she wanted Eisner while working on Ruse, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. her colors are special. So, wh- like, what, what was it like, that process, to see the kind of the vivid life that she would bring to it after you guys, as you guys kind of mentioned, that you kind of mangled those pages and kind of did something that was experimental <laughs> and fun, and then you passed it on to Laura. What was it like to see that process, to see her amazing colors? Well, yeah, for me, it was always a thrill. Um, oh, totally, totally. Uh, you know, I, I would say that uh, over the course of time, we broke Laura. That was the problem with that book, was because... You know, she handled everything we threw at her, and, you know, we didn't make, oh, Laura, we need you to actually paint this cover because, you know, (laughs) we have an idea for a painting, but neither one of us can do it. (laughs) Here's a drawing. (laughs) Um, You know, but, uh, you know, she, she, she just, you know, she probably spent more time working on the book than any of us in terms of total hours, uh, well, you know, for each issue and stuff. You know, she's, there was a lot of things to color. And, uh, you know, and did she she did it, you know, but, you, you know, by the time that she left the book, she was ready to be gone off that book, I'll, I'll tell you. So, and the funny thing was no one else wanted to follow her, mm. okay, because it was like, oh, yeah, look what Laura did. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> 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 it's like Frank, Frank colored it one issue, and then he was like, no, 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 I can't do this. <laughs> and then we got Nick. Right. Yeah. And then and, 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 and Nick was so laid back, it didn't really matter. Like, Nick was just like, hey, just doing my thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, something we haven't talked about, but obviously, you know, after the first year, you have Scott comes on and starts writing it. What was it like working with him as opposed to having worked with Mark for the first year of the book? Well, uh, it, was, it was great. I, I know when when Mark left, we were sort of in a panic because we were like, you know, who's going to write this book? Um, and uh, we actually had a, a Saturday. We went over to Laura's apartment one Saturday right after Mark had quit the book in CrossGen, and collectively, Laura and, and, and Mike and I kind of plotted out the next year's worth of storylines over a couple of hours, just outlining, okay, and then the whole thing with the island and the, you know, the, the, the large flying dragons and, and, and a bunch of all of that material, you know, came out of that session. And then... Uh, by the time Chuck Dixon was working there too, and Chuck mentioned Scott, and Scott came down. We met him. He gelled right away, and you know, and you know, and thankfully Scott, you know, he took our our outline stuff and just you know, piled more of that kind of that you know silly kind of stuff that we, Mike and I enjoyed on top of it. I mean, that's how we got the. Adeline Monkey Boy issue, uh, you know, <laughs> which is still one of my favorite issues in the run. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I think that was supposed to be a fill-in uh, thing. Like, it was supposed to be like, it wasn't issued as a fill-in, but it was around right about that time that we should have had a fill-in. Uh, should have had a fill-in, but we weren't going to give that one up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be ours, man. <laughs> they, they, they can have another one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no, the other one's the jungle people and all that other. No, okay, we'll just keep doing them. Don't worry about it. Yeah, let's we'll just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Scott. Oh, yeah, Scott, Scott was great. Was he was yeah. he doing like a you know kind of the old school Marvel style, or was he doing more scripts? Or I mean, because he's kind of coming on to it at that point, pretty much a well oiled machine. So how did he integrate into uh, how he delivered his scripts and how you guys were able to still function as an art team? I think there was a bit. Uh, I think there was a bit more detail because Scott wasn't in house. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like with Mark being there, Scott was Scott went back home, and then he would you know send them in and. Why he would, you know, contact us via email and stuff. We didn't have that constant contact that we'd had with Mark. So Scott, I think Scott was still working. You sort of, I mean, it wasn't full script or anything. If I, right. I don't remember it being full script, but but it did have more specifics layered into, you know, and that was more just to make sure that we understood what he was, you know thinking, you know, as far as, the, you know, where he was wanting to go with it and stuff. But, uh, I mean, we, we, I thought we found our balance pretty quickly with Scott. Um, I know the, the first couple of, uh, uh, of issues that he scripted, I, you know, I thought that he carried the tone and the, you know, the style that, that Mark Wade had established, you know, pretty flawlessly straight on. You know, I, I, it didn't seem like suddenly there was somebody else at the helm writing this thing. So, and, you know, and I, it probably helped that, you know, Mike and I could still, you know, insert the, you know, the stuff that we liked in there. So The silliness, yeah. <laughs> the silliness, yes. <laughs> hey, we didn't do any of that. That was all Chip Buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, yes, we, we, we kept on uh, creating these strange characters that were involved in the comic, but actually weren't. Um, one of them being uh, the, the cartoonist at the beginning was called Chip Butty. And, uh, <laughs> and it was basically because we went, we were, I think we were in Orlando, right? And we went out to a... Yeah, we, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. it was Orlando. And, uh, and I had, um, and they had, the, they had Chip Butty on the, uh, on the menu, which is basically... Uh, fries on bread and butter, really. It's a, it, it's a French fry sandwich on, on buttered bread. It's <laughs> which is, disgusting which is, to look at. It's <laughs> <laughs> a chip butty. Okay. And uh, I remember sitting there eating it, and Frank was just, Frank DiMarta was just looking at me, and he was like, so it's, it's starch on starch, right? That's what it is. <laughs> So, so apparently yeah. it's the British. Okay. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just saying that Chip Butty became a character within Ruse itself. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, apparently, starch on starch is a very British thing, anyway, because you know, <laughs> beans on toast. <laughs> you, know? uh, you can't insult the beans. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> and all kinds of other weird concoctions. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we won't go down that scripted dick route. No, no, no. No, when, when... Let's just say that... I was going to say, let's just say that Mike and I sort of always stayed semi in trouble with Mark Alessi for whatever was going on in the book. <laughs> <laughs> When when the book does end, what what was your departure, or like what, what did you leaving Crossion look like at that point in time? And I don't mean to like not in a bad like I don't I don't I don't want to hear I'm not looking for dirt necessarily. I'm just more curious what that's like, and then what your decisions were coming after that, because obviously you moved on to other books and opportunities. Well, um, I mean things had been bad for it started getting worse in that third year. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, in the whole mood in the, in the entire company, you know, there was a, there was a lot of stress and strain. Um, and for weeks there had been this like extra pressure and discussion about, you know, that there might be some layoffs or something. And, you know, and, and it turned out that yes, some people were, were being let go, um, and I'd already decided that, uh, you know, now was the time to go rather than uh, than to, to carry forward any further with it because I just did not see things turning around there. So I was I was actually uh, expected to stay, and instead I declined to to go forward and. Uh, um, <laughs> You know, and I mean, it was it was it was tough in one way. It was exciting in another way because, you know, when had all this this time on ruse, but felt like that you know everything was coming together now, and it was time to to move on to something else. And um, you know, and uh, so I left Crosstown and uh, went to actually to draw. Uh, I drew uh, albums for humanoids for the French market for like the first year after, after cross gen. Oh, really? I, have, I, have, I, have so, fun, I have the fun memories of, uh, of Butch, you know, <laughs> actually that, but Butch packing up his stuff by his table and, uh, and working out and, and me and Epting going, <laughs> doing whistling the great escape music as he was walking out. <laughs> And then I think uh, I think Epton put up a great. Well, no, you put up the great escape poster. I, I, I put the poster up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The last thing I did was I went and printed out a an eleven by seventeen copy of the Great Escape movie poster, and I taped it over my little area up on right above my drawing area. That was the last. That was the only thing there that was left there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then me and Epton were whistling the theme tune as you left the building. <laughs> And all I did is John Smith, the, uh, the facilities manager, going, that's not funny, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have to say, yeah, I, I had like two boxes left. Because actually, when I told Mark I was going to quit and, and not stick around, I told him I would, you know, I'd be happy to stay until I finished the issue, which would be about two weeks out. And instead, I was told by Mark, no, he wanted me out within two hours. Oh, wow. Of, uh, so, you know, he did not take it well. 
he called in legal to sign the contract to say, I'm out of here, da-da-da-da. And so I had, you know, two hours to kill. I had very few things there at this at this offices by that point in time anyway, a couple you know, a couple boxes worth of books and and art supplies and that was it. And uh so I, I spent those two hours mostly hanging out with various people because I knew I wasn't gonna be seeing them on a regular basis every day. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it took fifteen minutes to print off the poster. So. <laughs> yeah, and I you know, and then I had the inspiration for the poster. But I you know, I'm getting ready to haul out I'm waiting for the basically the contract to be you know to be called up to the front to, to, to sign this thing. And then, uh, then I'm gone. And, uh, so that happens and I come back and I've got my, like, you know, two boxes there on my table and got the poster up and I'm getting ready to walk out. And Rick Magyar, uh, cause Rick's a great guy. Rick walks up and he goes, I'll, I'll help you. And I'm like, Rick, it's just two boxes. Cause I don't really, you know, don't need the help. And he goes, no, you don't understand, but I want to be seen helping you. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those days. <laughs> wow. I think, I think after you left, the first thing you did was that, that DC, the uh, Justice League thing, right? With, uh, with Warren Ellis. Yeah, I did that, yeah, while I was uh, also working on the... Um, I was working on Olympus. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for humanoids, and I also did that uh, Warren Ellis um, Justice League thing. Um, JLA classified. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually inked some of those pages as well. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of ghost inked them basically because I, I shouldn't have been doing it, and Butch. Basically wanted to help me because I wasn't getting paid as well, mm. and, uh, and I couldn't leave. So, uh, so Butch was helping me out that way afterwards as well. Because yeah. you were still tied up with your visa and everything, weren't you at right. that time? Right, right, right. Oh yeah, I guess so, I, I yeah. It was it was complicated all for a lot of people. I mean, you know, and and, and I mean, I I was lucky because I, I I knew that I'd left DC on on good terms. And I felt like I had, you know, plenty of opportunities. And really, my my final conversation with Mark was, you know, I just want to keep drawing comics and earn a living. And, you know, and if you can't, you know, if that situation isn't working here, then, yeah, I understand that. I was prepared to move on. It's nothing else. And, uh, you know, so, but there were people who, you know, it was, Cross-gen had been like, you know, they didn't feel like they had those other options, and that was one of the ways they'd ended up at Cross-gen. Or they, this was their first real comics career thing, and they were terrified about, you know, leaving. Because what if, you know, Marvel or DC or somebody else didn't want them and stuff. So oh, oh, you some, had a lot, of, a lot of different stuff going on with a lot of different people. So. Or some people like myself were on a work visa. And we, yeah. we couldn't actually leave. We 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 couldn't do go and do something else because we were there to work on that job. Um, mm-hmm. So if if I had left, I would have had to have left the country as well, basically. Wow! Wow! Yeah. And he didn't want to move that couch again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to leave it in your apartment. <laughs> 
No, no. When did you guys end up sharing a studio? Um, that was after after everything fell apart. It was probably like a year after um, uh, the the first layoff. Well, maybe not a year, but um, probably seven months after the first layoffs or something. Um, yeah, and, and they finally. Uh, I was the last person out, apart from Alessi, um, and uh, he basically turned the key in the lock, and uh, I walked to the door. I, w- I walked to my car, and uh, and the phone, my phone went as soon as I was in the car. And it was CB Sabolski at Marvel saying, "Don't worry, we'll take care of your visa." You know all this kind of stuff, and. Um, and so the first thing he gave me was um, an Electra movie adaptation, and uh, and it was a really tight deadline. It was like I had to do forty eight pages in three weeks or something, oh, and wow. um, and so I, I was working at home. And uh, after from going from a, a studio of a hundred people at its peak to to being on my own in the house. I, ooh, I was going a bit crazy. It was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and so I, I had lunch with Butch, and we, we talked about uh, getting a studio for a while, o- almost like a decompression chamber, you know, <laughs> to, to, to go from that um, studio mm-hmm. facility. And so we, we would have a studio on our own, and then eventually we would probably, you know, just go back to working in the studio at home. Um, so, so yeah, for me, what it really was that decompression chamber, um, and uh, yeah, so it was like me, Butch, uh, Andrew Hennessy, and Laura Martin. We got a studio together. Wow, that's a lot of talent in one spot. It was it was great. It was a good little place. It was. Uh, <laughs> I think the best thing about it was in a place called Safety Harbor, and the best thing about it was uh, on uh, it overlooked the harbor. And, and so mm-hmm. um, on uh, Independence Day, we could just sit there on the second floor where our studio was with these big windows and just sit there and watch the, watch the crazy fireworks. That was fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> now, how long did you guys end up having that studio together? That was three years, right? Yeah. yeah. Laura left after about one year. Right. I think. And then... Uh, after about the second year, you stopped coming in on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, bits and pieces. Cause it, yeah, because the drive was was proving to be right. You know, between schedules, you know, when you when your schedule's tight, you don't want to lose that time driving back and right. forth and right. stuff. And uh, so, yeah, about three years. And yeah, yeah. And, and then and then you were moving back up to Ohio anyway, so it was like okay. You know, it's it's yeah. time to it's time to wrap it up. And, but uh, you know, I was thankful for that for that time. Afterwards, it was great, and plus the fact it, it enabled us to to work closely on on other projects as well during that time. Yeah, which we did on yeah, the yeah, uh, so. Mm-hmm. Did you guys work on yeah, because you, you worked just... on several of those things with me for, for right. humanoids. Right, right, right. When was the last time you guys actually collaborated on something together? Uh, that was last year, actually. It was only last uh, year? Yeah. 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 Amber Blake number two. Yeah. Uh, for Glenot. Okay. Which, um, um, and I think it's being published in English in March, right? 
The first one is, which you also worked on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if the second one is yet. I know that, but the first one is, is IDW is releasing them. I think they're breaking them into like four issues or something, four or five oh. issues. Okay, okay. I think they're going to be, be like standard size comics. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, they may do a collected edition as well. I haven't. I haven't heard any details from them. I just know that it's solicited. Right. So. Uh, um, so yeah, it's finally getting an English edition. Yeah. But then Mike. Then last year we did the second volume of Amber Blake and and Mike. Co-inked that with me because we generally split that about half yeah. and half on the. Yeah, half and half. Awesome. More yeah, if I can I mean, get you to do it. Sorry, <laughs> what was that? I said more if I can get you to do it. <laughs> Mike, I'm running behind. Why don't you take another ten pages? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> now I'll, I'll bring the, I'll bring this to a close because you guys have been extremely generous with your time today. So I want to say thank you to both of you. But uh, where else can we see your current work, uh, which? Uh, for me, I am penciling and inking the flashback sequences in the Invaders book that's coming out this year. Oh, very cool. Uh, uh, so it's it's World War II stuff and time period, you know, it's, it's time period stuff, so I get to have that fun. I just did uh, my first collaboration with Mark Wade again after about 10 years. I did five pages in, for the... I guess it's the Doctor Strange 400 issue or something, some big supersized. I don't know how they're numbering these things anymore. But, oh, uh, oh, wow. That's cool. So I did that. I'm and to um, you guys together again. It's so Yes, yes. It's, 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 it's all the you, Mike. <laughs> that, that's that shit stirring you were talking about, right? <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then I've got a couple of uh, other projects. One I can't really discuss too much about. And then I'm also collaborating on uh, a creator-owned thing with Graham Nolan for Aftershock that will be, announcements will come at some point during the year. So, Oh, that's awesome. So that, plus whatever else that, you know, I get offered because I can't say no because you don't say no to work, you know. So. <laughs> Actually, to keep to keep the focus on you for a second, so well, actually both of you in in a, in, uh, in, in a fashion. Um, in I guess what seven years ago when Marvel did the, um, the they brought back Ruse for a four issue miniseries, and you guys kind of reunited on all the covers. What was that like, kind of going back to those characters and putting those cover, covers together? Because they're they're gorgeous work. It was it was fun for me to revisit uh, you know the characters again and the. You know, it wouldn't have been nearly as much fun if we, you know, all three couldn't have come back together on it. You know, having Mike and Laura work on it as well, you know, that's what made it, you know, a nice, nice visit. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure Mike and I would have happily worked on the uh, on the interiors if they had had any kind of budget, uh, you know, mm. uh, to, to, you know pay for us to do it uh, heck we probably would have done it for free somehow or the other but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure we would have uh, if they'd asked we would have fit again for sure we, we would have found some way to get it done you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like 
all right, just pay one of us, we'll split that, and right. since we're going to, you know, both be working just as hard on it anyway. Right. <laughs> well, I, I Your real problem is affording Lara. <laughs> you don't have to pay us for a final. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Your problem is affording Lara because she's won Eisner's and we haven't. <laughs> she's a gunslinger. <laughs> I, well, I, I want to ask, like, wh- how did the process even come about of, of them getting to, you guys to kind of reunite to do the covers at all? Like, was it the editor kind of thinking that this would be a great idea, or did they reach out to one of you first and they kind of brought the other two? Like, what was the process by which all three of you were well, reunited that, to work on it? Well, that was Bill Rosney, was it? Was it Billy? Yeah, it was Bill. Bill was in charge of that, yeah. And he, he was also from, from Crosstown, Bill Roseman. Uh, oh, yeah. Because so, after Crosstown, he went up to Marvel... And was editing stuff and doing things, and uh, you know, so it was a natural thing for him to to reach out to us, I guess. And, right. and like I say, I, I really enjoyed it. I actually uh, uh, was contacted by one of the gentlemen that was working on uh, Mink Osterveer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was his name? Yeah. And, and he died shortly thereafter right. in a motorcycle accident. But he, he loved our Ruse stuff, and we, he reached out and contacted me through Facebook, and we were, you know, if he had any questions, he would just send me private messages asking, you know, you know, I can't find the reference on, does, you know, does Simon own a this and this and this, or what does this thing look like? And, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I just make it up, you know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> And, and Mike, where, where can we? <laughs> uh, Mike, with regards to your current work, where, where's where can we find you right now, or where, where should people look um, for your work? Well, I, I just uh, October, I finished up the, the Green Lantern uh, stuff. Okay. Um, and since then, I've, I've been prepping a new ongoing series with DC, um, but they, they've been giving me. They've been giving me uh, bits and pieces to, to keep me busy while we've been prepping it. Um, so I've got, um, I think, the Curse of Brimstone annual comes out in two weeks' time. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I've been following the book, and it's really interesting, but the thing that stuck me in was uh, this uh, this Brimstone annual. Uh, it, it features uh, John Constantine and Swamp Thing as well. Oh. So I was all over that. I was like, yeah, 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 I want to do that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and then I, I've also done a, a dead shot, one shot as well. Um, and I've also done something else, um, which will probably come out soon, but they still haven't announced it yet. And then um, just before Christmas, I got the first script for the for the ongoing series as well. And that that will probably be announced in March, I think. Sounds like an exciting year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's this 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 project I'm working on now was one of the things that when I went to DC I had this whole list of things I wanted to, to tackle, and uh, and uh, when I when I sat down with uh, Dan DiDio, uh for breakfast, I, I said, well, can I can I give you a list of uh, things I want to do and page rate and all this kind of stuff. And Dan was like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, email it to me. I'm like, well, reach into my back pocket. Here it is. 
actually he opened up a briefcase and he handed him the big sack of paper. <laughs> it, was, it was like one of those, you know, those old fat sheets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I saw there was, was this ongoing with this particular writer. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad we've managed to, to do that. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I think people will really enjoy it when it comes out. I have a random last question for both of you, which is: uh-huh. do you, do you have a particular or strange or favorite memento from your years at CrossGen? Oh, chlamydia? No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think for me, and it's, it's going to sound schmaltzy, but I think my friendship with Butch. I think that's uh, that's that's the main thing that I I took out of Croatia. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree. My friendship with Mike was probably I, I can't think of like you know an item or anything like that. I, I think of people, you know, mm-hmm. that I didn't really I knew their work, but I didn't really know them until CrossGen, and uh, you know, and became you know, fast friends with them. And Mike's obviously the one that I, you know, my co-conspirator, co-collaborator, you know. (laughs) You know, Um, so, you know, that's that's probably, you know, the most, uh, you know, valuable thing to me as far as took out across Jen. Oh, and I've still got my drawing board. <laughs> I managed to sneak this big drawing board out of the back, and uh, I've still got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, out the back. You can move it out the door. <laughs> the thing's steel. <laughs> Weighs six hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, I managed to get it out there. <laughs> I asked Butch first how big the doors were, but I, I managed to do it. <laughs> Well, guys, thank, thank you so much for doing this and for coming on the show together and uh, for talking so much about Ruse and uh, other elements of your career as well. I mean, at some point in the future, I'd love to have you both back at some point to, to talk about other aspects of your career. I mean, Mike, we haven't talked about the last three years, which you've done a lot of stuff in the last three years, just kind of looking at all the different books you've done. And then Bush, we haven't even scratched the surface of much of your career as well. So if at some point in the future you be uh, open to coming back on the show, that'd be great. But if not, this was fantastic, and I really enjoyed having you guys on. Thank you. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Thanks a lot. And thank you.